0: Have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 18 through 20. This is a very important message today. God is just kind of downloading into my spirit. And uh, when you find it, stand with me. There is, I believe. This this really honestly, I've been praying and seeking the face of the Lord about this message today, and I I believe this is probably one of the most important messages you'll hear me speak to you this morning. So I encourage you to to be with me, stay with me, um, just and pray for me as I, I give this to you. The Word of God says in the Gospel of Luke chapter nine, verse eighteen, and it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, asked them saying, what, excuse me, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered and said, John the Baptist. But well, some say Elijah, and others say one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Meaning simply, if Matthew tells us, he said, uh, Peter, uh, Luke Kind of gives us the meat of what he wants to say, the Christ of God. But we also know that he Peter explains that even further in Matthew 16. The depth of all this, that he is the Son of God, that he belongs with, with God. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture here on this moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you, God, that, that you are with us, beside us, around us. Jesus, there is authority in your name. Authority in the name of Jesus. Lord, as Pentecostals, Lord, we we have taught this authority. We have explained this authority. Lord, I pray that you help me to reveal to your children that which they need to know with the word today. And Lord, I praise you for what you're doing today. I ask, oh God, that you cover this house with your authority and your presence. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things I feel like many times that we do not understand completely about because of our society and our church in, in the last, you know, 100 years in in, in America is that, that we don't fully grasp what it means when the Bible says Christ, when the Bible says Christ. Sometimes when we hear the word Christ, we think it's just Jesus' last name, but that's not actually true. It's deeper than that. When the word says Christ, it means that he is the Messiah. And being Messiah is not even, is further than even just being the person that's going to die for our sins. It means that he is the King of of Israel, he is the Anointed One. The word Messiah means the Anointed One. And how? Did, what did they do? Who did they anoint? They anointed the priests and they anointed kings for the purpose of ministry of God. And so this this idea of Christ in in, in Jesus, he he holds with us the ability to reach us to God as a priesthood, the ability to bring us into right standing with God, but the word Christ also means he's king of kings and Lord of lords. That means there's an authority, there's an, a power that comes with this title of Christ, this title uh, uh, of knowing this and doing this and being part of, of following the hand of God. And this, I say this because when I was praying about this morning, I, I need to give you what the Holy Spirit has dropped in my soul, a very important spiritual truth that I that we may not completely totally understand without God, to God opening our hearts and minds to this. But in Sunday school we talked a little bit about demons and this is really what, you know, studying about that lesson and and, and understanding that lesson is part of our series of what Jesus, of the the gospels that Jesus and works that Christ has done. But uh, there's something that we didn't get to until the very end that I believe God wants us to hear here this morning. And, And this powerful truth that you need to understand and that is every individual every individual that 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 walks in this world every person that's here that that we have to we are in a spiritual war every single day you are in a spiritual war whether you want to admit it or not there is spiritual warfare. What Christ has done is He has connected us back to God through the cross. He has connected us to the Lord, and we can enter and pray and talk to God and, and to to live. But if if all He was doing was just to reconnect us to God, then as soon as we be sa- as soon as we're saved, He just take us right on home. But He leaves us here. Why does He leave us here? I asked myself that a long time ago. God, well, Lord, it'd be great once I'm saved. Did You just go ahead and just rapture me at home? Wouldn't that be cool? You know, you get right, you like last one out, shut off the light. You know that kind of thing. You know, we just leave a sign, pray here, and you get to go there. You know this this spiritual truth that that we have to encounter is we're still here. We're still walking. We're still breathing. We're still, this flesh is still here. So there's something more to be done. And so now what this means is that there is a we are the advanced force. We are the marine, so to speak. We are the people that are sent out into this world of dark and dying place in order to shine the light of Christ everywhere we go. We are here to do these things. We are here to to be a a light to this community. We are here to be a light to Franklin County. We are here to show the world Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. That's that's who we are. But but it goes deeper, and what I want to say to you goes even further uh, about your enemy. And there's something about your enemy that I believe that you need to understand about your enemy that wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy your life. And if you don't grasp this, you may keep wondering why you consistently go into battle after battle after battle. Can a Christian be possessed? No, they cannot. But can a Christian be demonized or tormented or all these other things? The answer to that, unfortunately, scripture shows us, is yes. And how is that possible? Because something very important, the demonic, the demons, I had that problem in Sunday school. I want to say demoniac all morning. Demons are attracted to wounds. It's a spiritual truth. Demons are attracted to your wounds in your soul. And unless you heal those You will deal with him every single day. I'm telling you, it's a truth that you have to grasp. Because unless you want want to keep fighting the same old fight and fighting the same old battle, I get tired of it, to be honest with you. So what you have to do is surrender yourself to the healing power of Christ and say, Lord, take this bitterness out of me. Lord, take this this trouble out of my soul. Lord, take this pain out of me because, God, I am a target for the enemy to come against me in my life. You say, well, how is that possible? Let me tell you this. Wounds attract the enemy because woundedness is 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 not supposed to take place when something functions in a way. You see, God created this world to be to function in a beautifully organized, perfect way. I mean, as even the angle of the Earth and the Sun and all these things are in a, in a, in a pristine and powerful place. And so, so when something doesn't work the way it's supposed to, we call that sin. It gets out of, gets out of joint. It gets out of whack. And so the enemy is attracted to the things of woundedness. And you were never meant to be on your own. You were never meant to be by yourself. You were never meant to experience loss and pain. You were never created for that. But sin has separated us from God. And because sin has separated us from God, anytime there is a wound, anytime there is pain, it, it, it is like a magnet of oppression that wants to come against you. Now, can he take over a Christian? No, he cannot. But until we understand this powerful truth deeper, let me give you an even further example. And it's found in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. The Bible says, Isaiah 53, verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What does this mean? This is Isaiah 53. This is the part of the scripture that talks about he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. This is this is that chapter. This is that moment. This is uh, an Old Testament passage pointing to a Jesus Christ coming into this world. What is, what is God doing here? What is God showing us? What is Christ when, when we say, who do you say that I am? What does Christ mean? That means that, that He intentionally made Himself a target for our sin. What does that mean? He was intentionally wounded. For our transgressions. He was intentionally bruised. For our iniquities. He was intentionally wounded. For our sake. Paul says he was made sin. Now what does that mean? That means when he was on the cross. He became a magnet for sin. Do you know what magnets are? Plus and minus. One side. You put two positives together. What are they going to do? They're gonna repel, right? You put a plus on this side and a minus on this side. What do they do? They're going to attract. What did Jesus become? He was that perfect lamb of God. He was that perfect sinless one, that spotless lamb. And then something extraordinary took place. God bruised him. God wounded him. God broke him on that cross. And then demons were looking around saying, Why are we being pulled to a hill called Calvary? Why are we being pulled to a place that we don't want to go? Why? Because he became an open wound for all of humanity and sin had to go to him sin was forced to the cross. It didn't just show up there willingly. Ahaz, every time anybody wanted to come against the kingdom of God, they were on their own. But when Jesus walked into this world, he became sin for us and every demon, every every person that ever tried to come against the people of God had to go to the cross. This tells you something very powerful. The weapons of your warfare are mighty in God because we're coming through Jesus Christ we're not coming on our own power and we're not coming on our own authority it's by the stripes of Christ Jesus alone we walk into a situation because every demon had to bow could you imagine if you could look in the spirit realm what was going on in that moment on Calvary as all of hell had to bow before the king of kings and the lord of lords that they had to bow and had to go there Because they were attracted to the woundedness of our Savior. Oh, come on. When you allow wounds to stay in your life, all you're doing is allowing yourself To be an open vessel for the enemy to hit you where you are. But I'm telling you, there is life in Christ. He did not stay dead. He did not stay down. He did not stay away from us. He got up on the third day. He rose again putting the enemy under his feet and thus he has given us the promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. You you just name his name now. You just call his name now. You just speak the name of Jesus. You don't have to come up with eloquent prayers. You don't have to come up with vast theological understanding. All you gotta know is one name and every demon will bow as you mention that name. All you gotta know is one way to call and every demon has to bow. They want you not to, to understand this. They don't want you to believe this but I tell you when your child comes in and you know they've been doing drugs and you know things are going wrong. I'm telling you you stand there under the authority and the power of God and in your house you declare the name of Jesus around you, over you, over your children, over this situation and as long as they're under your house there is authority and the power of those that walk in the name of Jesus. Amen. We we live with this power not because it belongs to us but because it belongs to Him. He alone holds it but when we allow bitterness in when we do not forgive when we do not love and we do not do the things scripture tells us to do. Peter said, "Lord, how many times I got to forgive that guy?" And Jesus, like seven times today. And Jesus now 70 times 7. Why? Don't ever stop forgiving. Don't ever stop loving. Don't ever stop. Because if you do, the moment you embrace your wound is the moment you invited the enemy to attack you. It's true. When you will, when you hold to that Lord, it's not fair. Lord God, I don't understand. God, when you keep rolling around that, all you're doing is sending up a signal flare for the enemy to be attracted to your house. All you're doing is sending up signals. And what you have to do in your spirit is you, you. there's nothing wrong with talking to the Lord about your trouble. There's nothing wrong with talking to the Lord about your struggles. But when, as sister sang a perfect song for where I was going, but there is healing when you praise his name. If you don't, I mean, talk to him all you want about what you got going on, but at the end of it, praise him. At the end of it, you have to praise him. Because if you don't praise him, then you're just, you've, all you did was complain to God and then guess who's there? Guess who showed up with the things that came out of your mouth? guess who showed up to see what you were going to do are you going to allow it to fester are you going to allow it to stay in your life are you going to allow it to stay in a place like that or will you turn in the midst of your brokenness in the midst of your pain in the midst of your wound in the midst of the fact that you might be in the right that they didn't des- you don't deserve it you, didn't, you shouldn't be going through it and yet you stand there with your face to heaven and you praise him I'm telling you the enemy that can't came in to attack you, just bowed at the name of Jesus. Because when you start announcing his name over you, when you start announcing his name over your house, when you start announcing it, you are forcing the enemy to recognize that Jesus Christ is your king. Your king of kings and your lord of lords. The Bible tells us In Psalm 13, it gives us the, the appropriate measure that we are allowed to, to tell Lord. We ask God questions like, Lord, how long? Lord, what's going on? But then at the end of the Psalm, it tells you something very powerful. It's time to praise Him when it's over. Don't, don't, don't come to the Lord and just complain. Come to the Lord to praise. Come to the Lord to spend time in prayer. Come to the Lord to to lift up your heart to him. He wants to see you. He wants to be part of your life. Let me ask you this. This is simple. But where the enemy attacks, you know, we, we don't see not always in the flesh. I mean, sometimes it's pretty obvious when you see the flesh. When a demonic person comes in around you and they start manifesting, okay, that's obvious. But where he attacks is the is the will and the emotional heart of the individual. We can be perfect and wear our mask on the outside and be a walking hole of wound in the inside we can walk and try to he, uh, try to try to fake everybody out and show everybody that we've got it together and literally what we're doing is trying not to fall apart i can tell you i can tell you that god has a plan and a purpose for the situation but he is going to, he is He is only allowing the enemy to come close enough to you that you can put him under your feet. He, he will be attracted to that wound. He'll be attracted to that pain. But then when you praise the name of the Lord, you are stopping it. You are stopping the flow. You are stopping it. You are preventing any further harm. To come against your spirit. To come against your soul. To come against who you are. Because as Valentine's Day is this week. And I wanted to, and, and where I was in, uh, initially headed this earlier, earlier in the week was we have to understand that all this is accomplished because Jesus loves you. Brother Ray talked about the storm. Sometimes a storm is the wind that gets you to where you're going. That's exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Sometimes He brings these things into your life so that so that you will recognize the authority of God over you in your life, and also tell all the demons around you that you belong to Him, and that it's it's not going to destroy you. It's not going to take you out. You're going to overcome. You will be victorious. But because I want you to understand the uh, the audacity the the pure, magnificent love of God that far exceeds our ability to comprehend. Romans 5, 6, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What does that mean? When we were without strength, when there was no way we could fight our battle, and there was no way we could put Satan under our feet. And there was no way we would overcome. And there was no way we could be strong. And there was no way we could do it. All we had was filthy rags to offer him. So what does he do? He becomes the greatest wound for us. He died for the ungodly. Meaning that he didn't wait for you to get well. He took your his sickness first. For scarcely for a righteous man Will one die? Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The complete and magnificent love of God that pulls you, that was willing to take your sin on his back because he knew you weren't strong enough to handle it. That you wouldn't be able to do it. That you wouldn't be able to overcome. And so he didn't wait for you to handle it. He took care of it first. Let me ask you a question, parents. Those of you that have had children, young ones. Maybe they're old now. But understand... When that child is there, the love that you have for that child, that boy or girl that's born into this world, that love that you have, they don't earn it. They didn't do anything for you. In fact, they're costing you money and lack of sleep. It costs you something for them to be there. You willingly paid it so that they could be there. You willingly paid it. You willingly. Jesus loved you so much that He wanted to have children. So He paid what He didn't owe because He loved you. And then, not only that, He bore What he didn't need to carry because he loved you. He became sin because you didn't couldn't carry it on your own. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, what is he gonna do? He's gonna start drawing people unto himself. Why? Because the pain and the sin and the trouble that we carry with us is gonna look up to Him. Mm. And it's gonna be, you look, can it be? That he really can deliver me? Can it be that he really will take this out of me? Can it be? And you don't know why, but somehow there is a force that keeps pulling your foot one after the other down to an altar of repentance. And then the enemy's trying to tell you, don't do it, don't go there, stop, stop. Why? Because their days of rolling your life are about to be over. Your wound and pain that's guided your life, that has planted your life, that has directed your life, that has been the focus of your life is about ready to die christ is ready to pull it out of you when you lift up the name of jesus he will pull it out he will draw it to himself he will draw it to himself and what you carry with you when you leave there the enemy will come in you see this is why jesus said To the person when he cast out the devil, he said, listen, you got to take care of some business here, son. This is me paraphrasing it. Because if you don't do it right, if you don't take care of the inner person, he's going to come back, and he's going to bring his friends, and then you're going to be in worse trouble than you were before. And so what he tells you, so said, don't just go around casting demons out of people. Go around healing their wounds. Oh, forgive one another. You forgive somebody, every demon that has attached itself to your unforgiveness has no more authority over your life. When they come in to say, well, I used to torment them right there. No, but it's not there. That door is not there. They keep knocking on the outside of the wall there and they realize they can't come in anymore. Why? Because what they did, whether it was true or not, you've already forgiven and they have no more access to your life. What, what would the, what the enemy meant to kill you with? and destroy you has now become the weapon of your warfare that you will overcome him in that when you turn it over to the lord and begin to rejoice god turns it around for your good and turns it from your wound to your testimony say look what the lord has done look what god has done in my life look what the lord has has delivered me from and Look what God has, has provided me for. And when you do this, as Jesus became that attraction for sin, made sin, He did it intentionally so that you and I would understand how much He truly, completely loves you. Nobody does this unless they want to love you. Much more, the Bible says, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We're going to be saved by His life because it is His life that is going to sustain us, that is going to deliver us, That's going to pull us through his life. Let me conclude here this morning. Got to get my time. Oh, I'm good. Hallelujah. Romans 8. Just two more chapters over. The Bible says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God has decided to be for you and since God decided He was going to be for you He decided that in order to be for you He had to take your sin and attract it to Him He had to take that sin and carry it for you you know when you enter into a relationship there is as a parent, again, I'm going there because in the previous, chapter, previous verse here, it says that we have the right to call Him Abba, Father. When, you, when He enters into that relationship of Father in Heaven, what we are doing is we are admitting to the fact that we belong to Him, that we are His child, that we are His son. And because of that, because you're His daughter, He is going to take care of you. How many good parents would reject their children? I mean, I know we have parents that aren't good, but I'm talking about good parents. No one. No good parent is not going to provide something that their child needs if it's in their power. Whatever they have need of, whatever they have need of, you'll provide it. They don't even have to ask. They just need to be there. Listen, I'm telling you, you may think, well, what do do you mean by that, Pastor? Let me tell you something. There are things God gave you you didn't even know you had to ask for. There's trouble that he kept out of your life you didn't even know to ask for it. There's relationships that he has prevented from coming into your life that you didn't even know that you needed to ask for it, and he kept it from you. There's trouble, there's sickness, there's disease, there's issues that came against you in your life that he has prevented from even coming close to you. Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. And when they do come, know there's a way through. Way through the issue. Because God is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also Freely give us all things. Mm. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or the sword? Sister, if you go ahead and come to the piano. Let me finish with this thought. Is your Does your trial separate you from God? Let me ask you this. Let me just be straight, straight there with you. If you've been a Christian for more than 30 minutes, you know exactly what my answer is going to be. Because if your trial is in your life, I can tell you the times that I've been closest to God have been my trial. Why? Because it attracted my soul to the Lord. In a way that is unbelievable that it brought me to a place of of of, of big drawn to him that when I needed him he came. And this is why you know you're a mature Christian in the Lord is if the first time you face something, you don't try to handle it, you just try to go to the one who handles the thing. You pray. Is this a life guaranteed without trial? No. But it's a life that guarantees that if you allow God to be first to Christ, the Son of the living God, if you allow Him to be Christ, as Peter declared, if you allow Him that first place in your life, you allow him this thing, then what takes place is that it the guarantee that every time somebody hurts you, every time somebody loves, every time someone abuses you, every time somebody rejects you, every time there is a wound that hits you in your soul, all it's going to do is bring you closer to Jesus. The enemy said, I tried to kill you, but you drew closer. I tried to take you out, but you took one step closer. I tried to destroy your life, but you took one step closer. Hear me this morning. I'm speaking to somebody. Don't be afraid of that storm. Don't be afraid of that wound. Don't be afraid of that because it may be the very thing that's driving you into the arms of your Jesus. Don't question how he heals you. Just let Him heal you. Release yourself to the Lord. Allow God to come into your life. Allow the Lord first place over your soul. And I tell you, you'll walk as, as somebody. And people will look at you and say, you should be losing your mind the way this is happening. You should, you should be rejecting. You should be lost. You should be. I don't know if I can handle it. Well, I tell you what, I couldn't without. Jesus I couldn't make it without the Lord I couldn't go a step further without God it's him that's carrying me it's him you thought you were walking and all you were doing was your wound drawing yourself to him you thought you were in power. You thought you were in control. And all it was was your brokenness that was drawing yourself to the Lord. You thought you had it all together. But it was Jesus pulling you saying, Come on, child. I made myself a magnet to you. That anytime you need me, I'll pick you up. Anytime you need me, I'll be right here. I will call you. I will love you. I will heal you. Come. Come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.